I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello and welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today's episode is with a dream guest. I do say that quite often, but this one is Lee Harris, who channels the Z's, who I have been following and has, he doesn't even know he was my teacher for the last probably five years is how long I've really known of him. And they reached out to me and asked me to interview him. And he has a new book. And so they sent me his two books, Conversation with Disease is what they're called. And I have book one and book two. And I think he said he's written, I mean, I think they're already up to like five or six. He talks about that in the at the end of the episode. But he is, gosh, how do I explain? He is just this so real, authentic, beautiful person that you will just fall in love with like I did. And his messages from the Z's, uh, you'll understand why they're called the Z's when we get into the episode, if you don't already know him, but um, the books just, you can't help but keep reading because it kind of tells you what we're coming into. And his friend, Diana is the one that's asking the questions to the Z's and then he answers or they answer for both the books and for the other ones that he's writing. But he, the Z's are so... (laughs) the words that they say about what we're coming into and explaining earth and our dimensions and where they are and who they are is so fascinating. I wanted to read, it's just the first little message on the book that I really loved. It was the very first words in the book. This is from the Z's. You are all existing in the past, the present, and the future simultaneously. As much as you can, enjoy the experience of being alive now. Tell people what you feel you need to tell them. Show them what you need to show them. Live in a way that lights you up as much as possible. The Z's. So I wanted to read that because it just kind of sums up how I felt after I read this book about living in the present moment. This is all we have, you know, telling people that you love them, showing that love. You know, I always talk about my girls, but gosh, you know, here we are going into summer and I get so excited because we get to spend so much time together now and the school break and all their crew practice break. But, um, I just can't say enough of being in the present moment, especially with children and knowing how fast childhood goes. But being in the present and after you hear the Z's talk, well, Lee will talk about what the Z's say. We don't channel in this session and I will have him back on and channel, but we had talked for an hour and I didn't want to keep going. (laughs) I didn't want to take advantage of his time because I was so grateful. But when you live in the present moment, 
And from my perspective now as a parent, nothing can be more real in that time because, you know, you look at your kids now and they're whatever age they are. How did they get to that age? <laughs> how did Paige get her driver's license a couple of months ago? How did, you know, Presley's going into high school and that'll go by fast. I, I always say people said, oh, when they get to high school, it'll just be this blink of an eye. And nothing is more true than that because now Paige has her last year and oh, more, I want to really dial in the the present moment because we are just that. That's all. <laughs> it's that simple. So, you know, I put a post out today about setting an intention to raise the vibration of the planet, you know, just one person. And when you realize that it just takes your energy to focus and send love to someone in that moment, it shifts everything. So if you don't realize how powerful you are, just doing that is amazing. We're miracles. And we chose to come here. This is our time to take this universe to the next level. All of us, anyone that's listening to this now or in the future, or there's no future, <laughs> but anyone that's listening to this is transforming this earth. And if you realize that you are that powerful and that you explain that to your children and you know, when I have my students, you know, this teen program that I run and I see and hear people on the other side of the country and what their schools have going on, it blows my mind. And these little kids with these little minds are just dealing with all this drugs in the bathroom, a bunch of other things. But I mean, the fentanyl, their sweet little friends that had, didn't know what they were taking and had passed away. That, that is huge. So the kids these days are really coming up against so many things that we never had to as children. And to really, I don't know if the word promote or really exaggerate is to come from love, be the person that's the love of the room, be the one that sets the vibration in the room. I always say, be the thermostat, you know, go in there and have the highest vibration. And everyone wants you to be where you are. So you lift them up. I mean, that's so powerful. And if you have that one little, you know, thought in your mind that wherever I go, I'm going to raise the vibration. I'm going to love, I'm going to be in the moment. I'm going to, you know, whoever I see, I was in the parking lot at the grocery store and this lady wanted to fight me because she wanted her parking spot. And I didn't really know what was going on. And I looked at her and I just smiled. And then I rolled the window down. I said, is everything okay? And she didn't know what to do because she thought I was going to fight her. And I just realized in that moment, as soon as I come from love and I really didn't know what was going on. And I realized people are so ready to fight, but once I stopped and I rolled down the window and just even the first smile to her. And I realized her energy shift shifted to love and realized I was coming from love. It changed the whole situation, but you could probably think back in your, in every day that you could have re reacted or with your children, you could have reacted, but you didn't. And you came from love. And the one word I always say is, isn't that interesting? Like, I wonder why that happened. I wonder what was going through their head, but isn't that interesting instead of the, you know, going back and fighting against something that it's not going to raise the vibration. So 
anyway, this book raised my vibration to where I cannot wait to read the other ones and you will want to read them. There's two right now and I would go get them. Lee Harris is amazing, but I want to tell you about Lee a little bit about Lee because he's, you can find him everywhere on the YouTube, on many, many, many podcasts. His Instagram's amazing, but Lee Harris is a globally acclaimed energy, intuitive channeler and musician who offers grounded practical tech teachings focused on helping conscious, intuitive, and sensitive people heal, thrive, and live a better life. His first channeled book, Energy Speaks, became an instant bestseller, as did Conversation with Disease, book one. So I take that back. He had um, Energy Speaks first, and then these two channeled books. But if anyone has ever read the Seth books, it kind of reminded me of that in a way. And Seth books are amazing if you haven't. Um, those were uh, written in the 1970s. And I read those a few years ago, and those made an impact on me. But I now we're at the, you know, the 2023 version of this amazing Lee Harris and the Z's conversation. And it takes that. Um, There's definitely parallels from when I was reading the Seth books. But um, now where we're going in this world and really what it gets so exciting to realize that we all chose this time to be here and that we're all together in one and realizing that we are all one big soul family that are, you know, pushing this energy up and, you know, changing this whole, um, plane of existence. It's, um, so exciting and you're going to love Lee. So remember to share this with a friend, cause I know you will love this so much. You'll want to share it remember to subscribe, rate, and review. That way I can get more guests like Lee. I do have amazing ones in the queue that you're going to love. So make sure you stay tuned, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Those videos go out before the episode. So if you want to watch, you can always do that and check out my website, ashleygonner.com. I have those programs for the teenagers, email me, and parents. I have free classes on Thursdays. You can connect with me and get the link for those. It's basically parents and kids that we get together and share what's going on. I teach tools, gratitude, morning routine. We talk about vision boards and goal setting. And then I also talk about different techniques that I use with my kids that have really worked that I feel are so important these days to take their minds off of technology and do something that's going to put a muscle to their life so they can be this positive addition to this world and see that they are so powerful. And that once they do like these kids that I'm working with right now, it's shifted their entire family and it's so fun to watch. And it's just, I know I'm on this earth to help these kids and it it's so fun to watch them evolve and realize that there's this unlimited person on this earth soul that can be, do, or have anything. And once they realize that their confidence, all their, the, what they are dreaming of, it goes to the next level. And when they realize that they can have anything or be anything or do anything, that's when I get so filled with the most amazing feeling (laughs) that I could ever explain. So connect with me. And I just appreciate everyone sending me messages when they do listen to these episodes and let me know that you loved it, what you loved about it. It, That means so much to me. 
when I sit here behind a, a blank screen and I don't know if, you know, who's listening. So I really, really appreciate that. And without further ado, let's bring on this amazing man that you are going to love like I do. So please welcome Lee Harris to the show. Welcome, Lee. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. To know that you're staring at me right now on this Zoom would have been a dream of mine if I said to somebody, I'm going to be talking to Lee Harris for an hour on a podcast, even a year ago. But I mean, to start this podcast three years ago and dream of who's even going to come look at me on this Zoom and have a conversation and it's you. So really, you know, I know I always, you know, I've listened to you for the last few days. I read your books. I've have, I don't know, studied under you, listened to you, understood the Z's for probably the last probably five years. I've kind of followed you and um, you've been a teacher in my life. One of the teachers that I have really learned a lot from. I know we need to kind of go a little bit back on the backstory of how you discovered your gifts. And, but I really, this book that I just read book two that we're talking about now, cause it just went, came out. I just want to go into that because it is absolutely, I mean, it's a book that I would just sit there and read all day long. I would pick a page and it's kind of like an Oracle. I mean, I know a lot of people have said that, but I've really enjoyed it a lot. Oh, thank you. That's fantastic. And it's funny to me because, you know, I, 20 years ago, it will be 20 years next year that I've been doing this work. But if you'd have said to me 20 years ago, the work you do for the next 19 years will put you in a position where somebody will actually care to meet you because of work you've done, that would have felt surreal to me back then. So that, you know, it's funny, isn't it? The the lives we lead and where we end up and who we meet and what we do. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. So let's go back to when you were 16. I have a 14 and a just turned 17 year old. Okay. And, you know, I look at them as like, you know, discovering their gifts, seeing their passions, like uncovering their magic right now and talking about things that they love. And, you know, one of them, the older ones kind of, you know, going into be a senior and thinking about college and is that, you know, what is she going to study? But when you were 16, I know in the, in your early days, when you were little, you, st- you struggled with weight and you were into acting and that was kind of your way of expressing yourself. So when you turned 16 and you had the tarot cards w- with the, your mom and you like this, there was a feeling there. Mm. Is that when you've kind of started to like uncover your magic? Yes. And I, of course, at the time, I didn't really understand it. I think it's when you look back and you see these trail of breadcrumbs that led yes. you to bigger openings where you were more conscious that you were having a big opening. But the tarot cards, when I was writing, that was from the introduction for Energy Speaks, the book that came out in 2019. And when I was having to retrace my journey with spirituality for the introduction, that was the first memory. It was being in a tarot card reading in my teens. And as much as I loved the information, and who doesn't, because a tarot card reading is all about you and all about your life. And it's fascinating. I mean, as much as I loved that side of it, what really got my attention was how my body felt during it. There was a crackle in the room. Mm hmm. And I could feel that crackle in my body. I could feel like this crackling energy and this crackling energy all around me and the reader. And that was the first moment where intuitive energy 
really got my attention in a conscious way. And that was 1992. I was 16 in 1992. So that was around the time I started doing, I think I had a few tarot readings between 16 and 19. And then when I was 19, I was probably doing about four a year. But 16 was a turning point in my journey of, you could call it self-recovery, because disordered eating, binge eating sugar became a thing for me, especially from the age of about 11 or 12. I mean, I was actually taken to Weight Watchers age 10, so I clearly had a problem. (laughs) But the problem became more successful for me when I got my first job and was earning my first money. I, I started work early, like I was 11 or 12 when I got my first jobs. So then I would go and spend money on my habit, which was sugar and chocolate. And I would, in order to cope with feeling overwhelmed by life, feeling overwhelmed by my own feelings, not knowing what to do with those and not being happy in the school I was in, I would eat five Mars bars in a period of about 12 minutes. Oh my gosh. And basically I would do that in secret. I would do it at the end of the day. And for about the first, for the minutes I was doing it and perhaps for 15 minutes afterwards, there's a sense of euphoria. You know, you've got sugar coursing through your veins. So there is a kind of uplift. And then, of course, you feel awful. But uh, as an 11 or 12 year old who isn't seeing the consequences of his actions is just headed to this thing to try and create some kind of sense of relief. That was the pattern I was in until I was 16. And at the age of 16, I went to a much more balanced place of education for me. I was taken out of the all boys secondary school I was in, which was disastrous for me because I always got had much better relationships with girls who would talk about things and Mm. talk about feelings. And as boys, we were told not to. So there was always a bit of a dysmorphic thing in my brain around who can you speak honestly to and who can't you speak honestly to? And at the age of 16, I went to a creative college that was mixed gender. And so all of a sudden I was in a place where I could express myself more. And over the course of 16 to 18, I started reading a lot of spiritual books. I started beginning to look outside mainstream society And as I looked outside mainstream society, the world made more sense to me. If I stayed in mainstream society, the world didn't make much sense to me unless I was in creativity. You know, Mm -hmm. creative arts or anything to do with expression made sense to me. It was my alignment. So as I started really looking into what is this thing called life and who are we as humans, spirits, souls, because it's bigger than it seems to be, like the way everyone's behaving and the way I'm behaving. The way I'm behaving is not really working clearly for me because it's not successful. And I don't mean successful in the outside world. I mean a successful way of being. So 16 was the turning point for me, 1992. And I lost 60 pounds over that next two years and, and found myself, started to find my voice. And unbeknownst to me, the path that was about to open up for me, especially age 19 onwards, was spirituality. I just thought I was a student of spirituality and that I loved it. And it was my passion. And it was what I did at the weekend. And it was the thing I couldn't really talk to many people about. But I didn't realize I had a place within that world 
not just as a student, but perhaps also as someone who could help initiate others into their own magic. Right. Yes. When I look at, you know, when you talk about breadcrumbs and I always talk about breadcrumbs and living in the moment and being present. And I know that's a big part of disease and what you've learned from them, but when you let's go to the Z's. So people understand that haven't followed you when you're 23 years old and you're on the subway and explain that whole thing. And then we'll get into the messages that we've learned from the Z's. Yeah. So I was on what we call uh, the tube in London. I was working in London at the time I was doing a fundraising job for Greenpeace, but I was also really trying to bring my music to the world. I had started songwriting spontaneously at the age of 21. And to me, that was a miracle. That was like a magic force that somehow Mm -hmm. I could hear above my head and I could bring these songs down. And so it was this combination of the magic of channeling creativity and also, of course, a level of expression because I loved confessional singer songwriters. So it was the perfect melting pot for me at that time. And I really changed all my thoughts about what I was going to do. I didn't want to direct film anymore. I didn't want to perhaps act, but also act direct, be involved creatively, not just act. Everything went into music. And the Z's have later explained that music was how they got me first. Mm-hmm. Because two years later, that same channel through which I hear songs and lyrics and music, I heard a voice and I was on the subway going to work going through all of my self-doubting thoughts and issues and like, you know, well, this, uh, this isn't good enough. And what happened with that person? And why, why am I not? Uh. And all of a sudden from the left, this voice comes in and it says, that's an interesting theory, but you're wrong. It's easy now for me to remember it because it's 24 years ago. But at the time, the weirdest thing about it was it really caught my attention because I'd never, this was completely new. It wasn't the voices in my mind. It was above and it was to the left. But something about it weirdly didn't feel that weird. And because I knew about people who could speak to their guides, I very quickly asked them, who are you? What are you? And they said, we're your guides. And we've been with you since you were little. You haven't heard us since you were six years old. Now, I don't remember hearing them before six years old, but they say at that point I had to shut them out. And they said, you know, we've been with you the whole time. And we're a group. We're a collection of energies. And just like you on earth can speak to us right now, we also can speak to other forces. We can essentially tap into the library of consciousness that exists in the universe. So don't think of us as too fixed. So all of this was a bit new to me because A, I thought to channel or to speak to your guides, you had to be a really pure person or you had to have been meditating forever or done yoga or only been vegan. You know, I had all these ideas about how spirit was given to us. And they really broke that down because from day one, it wasn't hard for me. Like any time and now still, I can speak to them at any moment. I can just go up there and talk to them and hear what they say. And then, of course, years later, I ended up channeling them for others, which was something I didn't foresee. But I think the message I like to give people about spirituality is if it could happen to me with the level of self-judgment, low self-esteem, all the healing I still had to do at that age, 
And also mm-hmm. it happened on the subway. It shouldn't happen on the subway. It should happen in a right. <laughs> field or in a, you know, in a, in a spiritual. No, it happened on the tube where people are all just trying to stay in their own little world and avoid each other. So it kind of, it was a great gift because it, it showed me that truth that spirit's everywhere and it's in every form and it is a part of our everyday life. Right. Yeah. I channel through automatic writing. I do that every day. And I know you talk about that because uh, I might've even learned that listening to you. I, I just, it's just part of my morning routine. And I am so fascinated when I go back and read it mm. and I'm thinking that I wrote that, like that wasn't me, but I think that has opened my eyes to how we all are channels. And I don't know, like when you were talking, cause I know when you say the music was coming through you and you're, there is always this channel coming through everyone. And if like me doing this with you, I don't have, I don't, I just know it's channeled like, you know, and I think if people felt knew their power and, you know, I just know the Z's are talking about our three dimensional beings. We have, we are, we've been so the veil has been so thick that Mm. on purpose Mm -hmm. to not see the power. But when we start to open that veil and you start to go, look at what we have and this power, it's us so unlimited and, it's opened my eyes so much to showing people. I mean, I teach my girls that like, just realize what's going through your head. What are you thinking? That's like your sky. That's your higher self. And we, you know, it's a constant, those are our conversations in the car. Right. (laughs) But so disease, so there are 88 beings. I love the 88. They are explain because you said, give yes. me a name because the yes. human mind needs the name to be yes. understanding. So I said, do you have a name? And they said, we don't have names the way humans have names, but we know you need names to have a reference for us. So they said, you can call me Zachary and I'm the lead spokesperson for the group. And at the time, that's all I knew. It was approximately four years later that over the course of a weekend and being facilitated by another channeler that I was at the time in relationship with, we met other members of the group and he was facilitating these conversations. And one of the most fascinating things was they explained the composition of my guides, which is interesting to me because I think it's interesting to us. They explained, you know, you have this many angelic beings here You have these beings who are focused on your energetics and the engineering of your energy on a daily basis. That's their job to kind of help you balance and coordinate your energetics. I'm here as part of your wisdom. I'm here as part of your higher wisdom. These beings are here as part of your physical health. So it was this explanation of how this different group works. And I thought, well, that, that makes sense. Because if you think of us as individuals on earth, we're all so dependent on each other. You know, Mm -hmm. the people who collect, pick our food for us or the people who do jobs in the world that allow us to be in the world or the things that we do that we're all just this piece in a jigsaw puzzle. So when they explained it like that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. The things that hit me that weekend, the angelics did not like earth. They came into my body very briefly and they were literally making comments like, oh, it's very dark down here. We don't like it. We want to get out. So they didn't want to stay in the body. And, and it, you know, I've often seen this with any of us who struggle with addiction or struggle with anything to do with the heaviness of the world or the suffering or the darkness. 
often those people have an angelic alignment in them and they either haven't been able to cultivate the strength in them required to hold that angelic presence in them in a safe way, in a way that they can be in the world. Perhaps they experienced abuse at an early age. Who knows what it is that sets us on our individual paths because it's different for everyone. But I thought that's very interesting that the angelic frequencies did not like 3D. They didn't want to be here in body. They could pop in, they could drop their energy in. So I always now think about that when I meet people who have a certain angelic energy. You certainly have it. You have that in your frequency. We're all composed of different things. Mm -hmm. And I think for us as humans, the trick is balancing who we are as multidimensional beings. Okay, great. I have an angelic side of me and I get to express that in this area of my life. And I get to have a few friendships with people where that angelic side of me can be present. Okay, good. I'm good. Now I go over here where I'm really sporty. And that's the warrior side of me. And I love being in my body and I can express that through these activities. So we all are made up of these different parts of ourselves that need to have balance and expression in the world. But that's why to me, when they explained, well, we're a group, I thought, well, yeah, if you think about us as human beings, we're far more of a group than we appear to be because right. we're each composites of everything we've been through in life. So the reason they're called disease is because the two other spokespeople for a while were called Zafariah and Zayadora. So for several years in workshops, I would channel and I'd never know which one we were going to get. And Zachary was like a, to all intents and purposes, I don't like using male and female terminology, but you know, he had a kind of male energy. Zayadora mm -hmm. was like his female feminine counterpart energetically. And then Zafariah was this hybrid of the two. And she had the most personality, which made me quite uncomfortable because she was, <laughs> she just had a lot of personality. And because she didn't appear for a few years into it, I was a little nervous about letting her out. And yet people loved her because she was kind of funny and quite mystical and quite cantankerous. What happened in 2012 was they all merged. They basically said, there won't be any more separation where your world is going. It's good for people to think they're speaking to a collective rather than individuals, because that's the piece you need. So now we're just going to be one voice. But the reason they're called disease is all the people who attended the workshops or listened to the recordings, they would say, oh, we're going to hear from disease in this world because oh. mm -hmm. they never knew which one they were going to get. So right. that's why they're called disease. Yeah, I love it. People but name them. The where the earth is, where we're going. You were talking, I was listening to some interview in 2018 and you were saying in the next, little did we know the 2020 was coming, but you really said the Z's have been telling me the next five years are going to be this big, big transition. Yeah. And the how, but what I learned from this book was I'm never, I mean, that's why I'm so fascinated by this, the, the crystalline energy in the mm. earth, we, and then the heart, the earth's the heart and <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah, I think one of the weirdest things about channeling is the information that comes through. Sometimes you scratch your head and you think, well, is this for me? It all, as soon as I hear it or interact with it, it all makes sense. Some part of me remembers it, but it's not very visible in our everyday 3D world. And what the Z's talk about regarding this time. In 2016, they said that 2017 to 2024 were going to be massive changes on the planet. And at the time, of course, you know, 2016 was a rough year. 
in many ways. We had a whole change here in the US. We had Brexit in the UK. There were so many other things going on around the world that seemed unnerving. But of course, none of us knew what was about to come. So they've said that these are massive years of change and transformation and a combination of certain aspects of our world that need to be upgraded are going to die off during this period so that we can rebuild something new and more conscious, but also that some of the old ways, beliefs, ideals are going to hold on really hard mm-hmm. and might try and make progress very difficult for people. And for me, progress is always about which species are included in the benefit of progress. So someone might say, well, this is going to really progress the money system. And it's like, well, for who? For mm-hmm. 1% at the top, for the bankers, for the people who own it? Or is this thinking for, on a planetary level? Is it thinking about every strata of people economically? Is it thinking about how the planet can benefit from whatever this money system is doing? So it's interesting, I think more than ever before, more of us can look at our world as it is and see the things that are off Mm -hmm. and the things that are not coming from a soul-based place or a heart-based place. They are perhaps control-oriented. They are a bit more elitist, meaning just a, a very small number of people benefit and the rest of people might suffer. Right. So we're at this real juncture in history, the Zs say, where they've implied that we're not through the worst yet, that things will have to get a bit worse before they get better. But they say that what you have to understand is it takes things getting worse for people to wake up and see what's going on. And I look at what's gone on in the last three years, you know, since 2020, And it's interesting to see how many more people are informed right now about what we've been through in the last three years than before, Mm -hmm. when we were all just in the shock or the horror or the fear of it, because fear was pumped across our planet uh, in 2020, not just natural fear that people had, but the amount of fear that was encouraged and enforced. So that raised a lot of alarm bells for me. That was when I started to see the energetic fractures in our system and the z's talk about the crystalline energy inside the earth so i'm trying to remember all the details because when i'm channeling it's hard to remember everything they're saying (laughs) but they've talked about inside the planet there are various crystalline structures some of them not that far below the surface and some of them very deep and they resonate, they're coming online, they are vibrating in a different way, and that that affects all of us from in the ground. So often, I think we think of, oh, energy is coming down, and it's waking us up. And they say, no, 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 think about what's going on in the earth, and how the energy from inside the earth is rising through your bodies. And the other thing they've talked about, which was interesting. I wasn't entirely comfortable with it at first, but they were so adamant about it that, and they kept talking about it in different ways. I thought, okay, this must be important for me to let this out. And I'm not the only one talking about this, but it was just new for me to have them speak about this, that approximately 10,000 or more years ago, we were a more evolved species, or at least that was the plan for humanity. And several factors, which they haven't completely put their finger on, but they've alluded to certain things, clamped our evolution. 
and fixed us in place and certain beliefs we've been given and certain ways we've been asked to see things essentially clamped and limited our potential. And they say that this is the period of history where all of that's coming back, where all of that's beginning to rise again. And it will happen over decades and it will involve us learning things about our world and about the universe as a whole that we've not really been allowed or encouraged to see before. Right. So it's very interesting and it's it's complex. I mean, I wish, I think one of the hardest things for our human brain is everything I've just said, you might listen to it and think what a load of rubbish and that's fine if, you know, that's right. the truth. Or you might listen to it and go, oh, a couple of those things resonate, but that's really confusing. And I think the thing about it is we tend to want to have fixed information. We tend to want to organize it. We tend to want it to be linear. And it isn't. That's an illusion in our brains. It isn't linear. It's, you know, if you really stop and think about the fact that we're alive today and really think about it, you and I are alive, we're in conversation. If we were dead tomorrow, it wouldn't be that long before no one would, I mean, a few people would remember us who were connected to us. But when we're gone, we're gone in this form. Our energy isn't gone and our soul isn't gone, but we will never be in this form again. And I think when you really stop and think about that, it's pretty extraordinary that any of us are here right now and alive, but we have been so trained to focus on the system of our life as it was given to us that we often don't stop to think about those things or many of us don't have the luxury. You know, right. when I was 16, I, I was living in my parents' house and I knew that I would have food every day and I knew that I didn't have to think about paying the rent. So I was able to have the luxury of going and having this journey of self-discovery Many people on the planet aren't. They're stuck in systems or countries or survival areas where they they don't have the luxury of self-inquiry. They're just trying to survive. And if you look at that as an ongoing issue on our planet, this where did this issue of survival get imprinted upon us and embedded in a way that it's restricting not just our own personal potential, but the potential of who we could be here? So very big, broad sentences from me, but that kind of paints a bit of a picture of one of the strands that they hold in the book while they speak to us about how we as individuals can move into more of our own magic and our own power, because that benefits everybody. Right. But we all, the people that are in like you and I right now in these bodies, we chose this time. We knew yeah. this time was going to be the, this pivot in our lifetime. And we were here to either raise the vibration, help raise the vibration, you know, be Lee Harris and, you know, connect to the Z's and start to like move people's consciousness into that fifth dimension or whatever, going up, up the vibrational level that we yes. are at th the three. But I feel also what was interesting before we go there was on one note you were just talking about was when you say that, you know, we were being embedded with these beliefs that we don't have the power, but that was all on purpose. Something, there is something that the Z's said came that did that like what thousands of years ago thousands of years ago yeah they say that we there was a certain level of interference which they say has happened throughout the universe you know and and they do want they said they will do a book on galactic history at some point and it's interesting because this was two years ago when we were doing the first books and i remember thinking oh i don't know about that <laughs> right? but i also i also it's hilarious because diana who i do the books with the psychotherapist who i do the books with 
she's told me the other day on a on a message she left for me on my phone she went do you know so many people are talking about galactic history now greg braden is and blah blah, blah. she's been tracking and she said it's it, more and more people are talking about it which is what the z's said would happen so i'm like okay maybe we will enter into the fray but it's interesting because they're peppering all throughout the book they're peppering this information in and around things that they talk about regarding us as individuals and their biggest message and i want to really get this across is they say even with the challenges that you see going on right now or the things that might be breaking your heart on a daily basis it's really important to remember the light is here the power is here the magic is here and it's something that you can tap into and so you said people like myself i'm one of the people clearly who is built for lots of people to find and what the z's say is there is no difference between the person who vibrates a message to millions or the person who vibrates a message to one and so i understand that for whatever reason my design has put me in the position where i'm handing the baton on to lots of people at once but handing the baton on to one or five or ten or a hundred or a thousand is really what we're here to do. And on a personal level, we're here to heal. So, you know, those of us that work on behalf of helping people live more empowered lives or happier lives or more conscious lives, we also go through, of course, our own healing journey. And the Z's say, when you're healing an imprint in yourself, you're also seeding the healing of it on the planet. So, you know, one of my imprints very early on was addiction as a child. And, you know, how many multi millions or perhaps even billions of people are out there telling us stories of their experiences with addiction, how they recovered and seeding on the planet, the formula of how we move through these wounds, these societal weights. So they say we're all cleaning up ancestral energy as we go with the things that we get to overcome and let go of and move through our healing because we're all one and what you're healing in you is healing in me. Yeah, well it goes back to the jigsaw piece. So my group of disease, we can we can go, oh, they're a group of 88 beings and then like I said when I started channeling them they're like, oh, I'm one of the angelics and I have this role. Oh, I'm the one that works with your body and I have this role. So when we look at them as a group of disease, we see this one thing with one right. label. But when you go into them, they're all different much the same way you have many roles right now you're holding space for this conversation and you're really holding space for the title of your podcast uncover your magic that's the promise you're making to the people who trust you to hold a space for them to uncover their magic and you invite people like me and whoever else feels resonant for you to come and maybe help you co-create and engineer that but then you're going to leave this and you're going to go and be a mom to those two girls who you are empowering and helping to uncover their magic. And of course, there's a million things you're experiencing as a mom too, much as you probably are in doing this work. There's personal healing, there's, you know, there's joy, there's learning. There's So that's where I think the tricky thing about oneness, or certainly for my brain and what I feel like I witnessed other people struggling with, well, we're all one. Yes. But that doesn't mean we're not also unique within the oneness and playing our own part. I think that's right. where, it, again, it's our linear minds go, well, hang on, if we're all one, 
we are all one in that we're all connected. And we're, especially if you're alive at the same time, there's a oneness in the earth experience at that time. But we are also uniquely structured. We are pieces of a jigsaw and we complete each other in that way. Right. You have to say that you feel like this is your last time on earth. You're like, this is your last. I don't know if I said that. They may have said that. Well, I you, someone said it and it, right, was coming yeah, it, out, was it came probably, out of your mouth. It was probably them. God, there are things that people tell me that they said about me <laughs> in these books. And I'm like, oh, I'd forgotten that. Probably good I did. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know myself, but they may have said that. I do know they have kind of told me this. And I, I mean, I'm 47 now, but I can feel that my life is very... I can feel like it's a culmination life. If I see how each decade, I feel like my job is to keep transforming and metamorphosizing in a way that's quite, because we all do that. I think every human's doing that, but I have a weird feeling it's almost part of my job to do that this time in a very pronounced way, which might mean I'm wrapping up all the previous lives or I'll come back as a very clean slate. I don't know. Do you feel like you would come, you could come back because you have choice to like live a lower vibrational human 3D? Uh, or do you feel like you're, do you believe like I've risen this far and this, and I'm kind of come back, but I'm going to be like this kind this high vibration, right? Continuing un- on that yeah. momentum. My understanding of it, my understanding of it is that that is not a decision that you take alone. My understanding of it is that the decision you create to incarnate is also directly connected to the groups you're around and what's needed on the earth. I don't personally believe that's a solo decision. And I also don't know if my this life consciousness could very truly influence what happens when I'm gone. Because the other thing I've come to realize is letting go of the identity each time you reincarnate. So in a weird way, we do reincarnate. But actually, in a way, this incarnation is the most important because this is the one we are seeing and feeling and experiencing it through. We're having this very multicolored version of this life. If we come back as a soul, perhaps certain skills I developed in this life, I can lean into in the next life. But would I Would I look like this person? No, because I'm also highly influenced by my parents and my birthplace and the time I was born and my brothers and sisters and my friends. You know, so I've become a composite of of everybody and everything in a way that I think has made me unique as it does for all of us. So I don't know from what I understand from them. And we're working on book three right now, which is demystifying karma and reincarnation. So this is perfect timing. And I can't even remember what they said because we've done most of those recordings. But my understanding is that it's a much more collective decision who we come back as. They've even said when you die, your death is never just about you. The time of your death and the way of your death is never only about you. It's always considered how your death is going to impact those around you. And when is the right, not that there's ever a right time for any of us to lose a loved one, because of course, what hits us is grief and loss, and we don't want them to go and all of that stuff. But they say it's always coordinated. It's always, I think the thing they've taught me more than anything, it's never about us. 
the way that we think it is in a singular way. And I don't know, I kind of find that comforting. I find yeah, it that is. a bit more, a um, bit more comforting. When I read, was reading about that, because my dad passed away two days after my first baby was born. Oh, wow. So I was in having, giving birth for my first baby. Gosh. And he died two days later. But in, when you're, t- when the Z's were explaining that it's all part of everybody, you know, like he left and in my head at that moment, when I was reading it, I thought, oh, he's her guide. You know, he needed a different role. So that is a comfort. <laughs> Wow. I mean, that's pretty profound. And I know other people who've gone through the same thing you're talking about. And it's interesting, they talk about birth and death energy as the same. They say the window opens. And when the window opens, you leave through the window and you come through the window. And having been with both a baby and someone who has died within 30 minutes of that happening, the energy was the same. I couldn't believe it. I remember being around the newborn in the room where it had just happened. And then I remember being with the person who had just died 20 minutes earlier. And that was an outdoor location. And um, the energy I could, I was like, whoa, this is like, I could feel it. It was very uh, confirming for me of that message they give. Yeah. When you, they also talk about your exit points. Mm-hmm. There's many exit points. Mm-hmm. Explain so that. They talk about exit points. They are possible times we could die. So for example, let's say someone lives to the age of 99. They could have had 20 to 70 exit points pre-programmed all through their life. The exit points would have been plotted at periods of time where they could choose to go. So as you reach an exit point in your life, you might think, well, God, am I going through one every year? Like for some people, it's a lot. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily are conscious that you're in an exit point. Although I have had, I don't know about anyone else listening, even before they made me aware of this concept about a decade ago, I would have periods in my life that would be things like, oh, concentrate on your driving, Mm -hmm. just be a bit careful. Or Oh, you know, very edgy times in my life where I felt closer to the edge of not being here for various reasons. And so when they explained the concept of exit points and they said, sometimes you'll be very conscious you're moving through one. An exit point can often be when very dramatic things happen in your life. A lot of loss happens. A lot of identity change happens. Things move around. And they say it's very easy to die. And they say, for those of you who want to think you shouldn't be alive on the planet right now, they say, if you are still here, there is a reason because they say it's actually very easy to leave if your time is done. Now, what they're not saying it's very easy to leave as in ways to die. What they're saying is it can be quite instant that we're taken off the planet. And so these exit points are there to give you a chance to decide, is this my time? Am I supposed to carry on? And when you have a few big exit point moments in your life, it's usually times that are transformation based. So it's not necessarily that there is this death window hovering above your head and death is the only choice. It might be when you have something powerful happen to you like a baby, when you have something powerful happen in your life, a big shift, the death window might just be above there just as an option. That if for any reason this transition doesn't go well, you can leave. So it's interesting when they talk about these exit points. And I had a very visceral experience of that when I was present for the death of someone four years ago 
who was so happy that day and was only in his early 60s and died very suddenly and seemingly just out of nowhere. And it was it was one of those teaching moments where once you get over the horror of it and the shock of it, you realize, and I remember being there with his body because there were a whole group of us and he was, some people were resuscitating him, some people were doing Reiki, some people were gathered around him and I suddenly thought, what can I do? I have my hands on his feet, but there were other people doing Reiki and and that. So I suddenly thought, talk to his soul and he was so happy. It was this orange kind of light, orange kind of like, a, not not a mist exactly, but probably about 30 feet above the body mm. and so happy. And I was negotiating, I was arguing, I was saying, come on down here, you know, kind of, I tried everything. Nope. Absolutely. It's it's so all he would say was, it's so beautiful here. It's so beautiful. And after, I think, 90 minutes, he was being worked on and he, you know, and the paramedics came and he he just wasn't coming back, which Mm. just seemed so shocking on that day. And yet it, for me, it was one of those teaching moments of like, this is what the Z's are saying. Like, uh, you know, we can go at any time. So that has always... Some people find that morbid. I find it life enhancing because yeah, I was going to ask I'm you. I'm really that. struggling on a certain day, or I'm, you know, locked into something that's stressing me, and I haven't yet got myself out of it. I just go, Lee, this could be your last day on earth. What are you appreciative of? And immediately you go to nature, or birds, or trees, and then right. people, and then your body, and oh, I can drink a glass of water. That's amazing. And there are people on the planet who can't drink a glass of water, so be grateful for that. You know. Right. Gosh. Well, you know, when you talk about go out and look at the trees and the present moment, but they talk so much about, it is just about the present moment. And have you, is your understanding of time, like the future and the past and the present moment, have they really, have you really wrapped your head around that whole concept of everything's happening now? I have more and more. What I now notice is the circular patterns in life. So I notice uh, the Z's talk about the spirals. Yes. That we're spirals. moving in circles and spirals. And I've heard that the shamans talk about the spiral path. And that makes sense to me. This idea that we're reenacting things. So, for example, to go back to you and your children, I'm not a parent in this life, but lots of my close people are parents. And so, you know, I, I track that journey of parenthood. And for you, when your kids were age four, you're going to have an energetic memory in your body of being age four at various moments during that year. And sometimes there might be these weird parallels for you Mm. because you have an energetic memory of that. And this being that you love and adore and are very attached to, even if you're struggling with them that day, you're Mm -hmm. very attached to them because that's the role of parent. You know, you're going to be going through this spiral of your own journey through time. So I think those things are happening all the time. I've got much better at organizing past, present and future. I've always, the Z's called me a futurist not that long ago. And it really helped me to hear that term because I've always had this ability to see possible timelines, you know, up ahead and timelines change. So, you you know, you should never live on a prediction that's a year away without constantly rechecking it. But I've got better at going, okay, these are some future possibilities. Here's where I am in the present. And so I actually feel quite steady and quite calm. Okay, I can move into that future possibility. Or 
here's a future possibility. Whoa, that makes me feel really nervous and uncomfortable. Okay, I'm not ready to walk into that because I can't stabilize it. I think like many people in the spiritual community or the intuitive communities, the future used to be a fantasy place of escape for me. If I wasn't liking the present moment, the future sounding better. It's like, okay, I can lean into that a bit. And then I think as the years have gone on, I've got better at knowing I have to work with the present feelings and really let them be and breathe. And also recognize when they're the past and go, oh, the past is in my body right now. What does it need? Is there anything it needs to tell me? Do I need to be mentally conscious of it? Or do I just need to create a pattern or an action in my life that's going to help it gently move through? Right. I want you to talk about, because I love talking about angels. And I know Diana asked the Z's in this book about the angelic realm. And I was so fascinated about it because I have children that are teenagers and the Z's talk about the ages. A lot of kids have been committing suicide Mm. because they don't feel like this, something about the connection to this earth isn't comfortable for them. And to like, they said, look at them as just, they just, they don't feel comfortable here, but explain that angelic. And how we, most people only have four angels. Right. right. So they've given a few different, they've said in general, we all have access to four, but there are some who'll have access to a lot more. There might be some who have a stronger alliance with two. And, and again, when we have a connection to angels, that's different to the angelic realm. So for example, I might have three best friends in my life or four best friends in my life. But if me and my best friends go to a stadium to see a concert, and that concert unifies us with 15,000 people, we've got 15,000 best friends for like two hours, you know, so it's the same with angels, more can come in, but your actual alignment to angels, they say, most of us have a few, the kids, you know, that's really tough, because they talked about it. And I think Diana asked about it because of the epidemic that we're seeing. And they said a couple of different things. They said that the kids who are coming in now are very, very sensitive, more so than we would have been. Although, of course, it's arguable because there may have been part of our issues when we were kids might have been because we were sensitive kids ahead of our time or ahead of the time where there was room for that to be included. They're coming in as sensitive and as fast, faster than we were. And if you think about how fast the world is now compared to when we were growing up and how there's information overload, there's technology Mm -hmm. overload that can be overstimulating to certain parts of you, but isn't grounding. It's not connecting you to the sensory body the way nature does, the way other humans do. There's a whole thing going on that we probably won't know more about the long-term effects of it for several years, I guess. But the suicides they were saying that were happening is because a lot of the young people can't cope. The other thing you have to look at is the drug side of things. You know, there are some really horrendous drugs going around right now. You think of fentanyl and there are many, and of course they're taking those as an escape route, not realizing the harm or the danger. So there are many different elements to it. But one of the things they said is that we as a society have not yet caught up with upgrading our systems in time for the young people. Because if I were a young person looking at some of the, I'll say restrictions that are being 
positioned or trying to be positioned around us as humans right now, it wouldn't feel very good. And especially mm -hmm. if you come in from the future in a way and you come in wired for this evolution and what you see in the old world is very old and really very outdated and not yet reborn, that's going to be the next decade or two as we go through history. It would be hard. It would feel overwhelming. And so what the Z's said is on a human level, for any of the people who are either the parents of those kids or the friends of those kids or the loved ones of those kids, of course, for any of us, it's tragic. It's, uh, and I think anybody who ends their life is very impactful to us anyway, because we know that people do that because they're in so much pain. They, they, they can't live. They've decided they can't live anymore. I heard a great quote recently. I think it was Daniel Armin who said, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm, mm -hmm. And I thought that's really well put. You know, it's like, because you think, God, if only they could have got the help they needed. What help did they need that we didn't know? But what the Zs did say is that, and this doesn't help us with our personal feelings, by the way, what I'm about to say. They said, many of those kids know they aren't going to live full-term lives when they come in. They're coming to seed a certain energy on the planet and to be a part of the wake-up call of the planet. And that wouldn't give, I don't think, many parents or loved ones comfort. I don't think that's something that as a human being, you go, oh, okay, fine, of course. But it, something about it made sense to me. They said, you have many sperm that swim toward the egg. And it takes many to go toward the egg for the egg to be fertilized, but it only requires one. So what they were saying is there is a wave of energy being seeded on the planet. And they did say that not just the kids, but that grief will be a part of the worldwide awakening in, in this decade that we're in now. And they said that back in about 2019, that we were going to, we were going to learn about some of the issues and problems we have on the planet now through issues that would manifest in certain humans that could result in death, basically, so that we would learn, oh, and I think about that with cancer. I think about that with certain diseases we have now on the planet and the fact that we still aren't doing a good enough job of inve investigating the toxins and pollutants that we in this last hundred years have got very used to living with. And to me, the correlation in those diseases and the more toxic, polluted planet we've become, it's obvious. Right. But it's interesting that certain companies whose job it should be to investigate that or be a watchdog around those things because of influence or other interests, financial interests, those things aren't looked at. So, you know, sadly, I think what they were saying is you have canaries in the coal mine and the wave of kids, one of the effects of that is going to be, okay, well, these are canaries in the coal mine for you as well to wake more people up, to become more sensitive to the fact that we need to do things a different way. Right. When you, they also talk about the years 2030 to 2050. Mm. And I, I know we're coming toward the end, but I want to know what I want you to explain because it was very fascinating what the that human looks like in 2050. Like what are we how have we evolved? Like what is that soul? What is that, you know, the soul has evolved and what do we look like? What are we doing? How are we what is life like in yeah. 2050? 
Good question. I wish I was qualified to answer <laughs> that question, but what I can what I can tell you is what I remember of what the Zs talk about in the book and what what's coming. The one thing I will tell you is whenever I feel challenged or down by what I see going on in the world, you know, and it goes up and down on any day, I think for any of us right now, I think, you know, you can have a really good day or you can see something really positive for the future or for the now. And then you hear about several other things and it's, you know, you're like, oh my God. And I don't think in this moment that many of us can look at the future that is being plotted for us mm -hmm. and feel great about it. You know, I think the writing is on the wall that some of the things that are currently being plotted for our future would, would be very bad for us. The Z's have said those things can't hold. They can't maintain their life, but they will try. They will try and be put in place. And it might be that they're put in place and for a while they have some sway and then they fall apart. But the interesting thing for me about all of this I really try and live life day to day at the moment and just kind of come back to today. But every time I think about 2030, I get this really good feeling in my body, hmm. which almost seems surprising because, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is, you know, there's a lot, there's, to me, that feels like there's a lot we've got to get through. But I get this sense of openness when I look at 2030 that I don't feel in the next certainly not between now and 2027. But the, the Z's have said 2025 to 2027, you will start to see more actual evidence of positive movements for the future. At the moment, they're a bit masked, a bit cloaked, a bit concealed, a bit not allowed. But they said from 2025 to 2027, there will be some more positive movements that we will see around things in the world. Although the breakdown of certain things is also going to be what allows those. So Right. They talk about 2030 to 2050, that heart energy right. is going to become more of a currency of the future. And heart energy for me doesn't necessarily mean everyone's walking around giving you a Hallmark card and a hug, although some people will do that. Heart energy for me is, again, we'll go back to parenting. You know, a parent in their heart for their child isn't always going to give the child what they want. But they're only going to consciously not give the child what they want from a place of love if they're in their heart. If they're in their heart about the parenting, they're going to go, no, I'm not going to let them do that for too much longer because I know that isn't going to work for them long term. So for right. me, I think of that with heart energy. There are actions that we will take that might not appear to be anything other than a building block for the future in the moment, but they're actually building something that's going to give someone a really good experience in the future. And not all of us are warm and fuzzy. Some people are in their heart energy when they look at the injustice in the world and go, I'm going to work on injustice for animals. I'm going to work on injustice for areas of the planet or the environment. So to me, heart energy is inclusive of the all. It acknowledges the connection of everyone. It's not looking to win over others. It's not looking to take power over others. It's not looking to separate or divide others' experience. It's certainly not looking to um, ban certain things and ban certain people and ban certain experiences because it doesn't understand them, so it wants to eradicate them. It's like, no, if, you don't, if you're not like me, you need to die. 
right. which essentially is what any kind of banning or segregation is doing. It's, it's a very self-oriented fear and insecurity manifest as an act of aggression and war upon another. Right. So to me, heart energy is not in any of that. And that's why at the moment we're seeing this rise of that kind of fundamentalism pushing against where we're going in time with a more open, expanded consciousness. So 2030 to 50, freedom starts to become a little bit more of the vernacular. And I don't mean personal freedom as much as freedom for all. So I don't know how it's going to look because I'm like you, I'm, you know, here in 2023, just watching it all play out. But they're very adamant that those two decades are the beginning of a new formation of not just a new way of being on earth, but also a time where we're a bit more aware of our place in the universe and a bit more aware of our connection galactically rather than thinking, okay, well, it's just us. Right. When you, and they also talk about when you, what you focus on is how you view your, like when I always say what you focus on grows or, you know, whatever you're focusing on, that's what you're going to get. But they, that's a big theme that I think the Z's talk about how to, because I, I'm, when you're talking about 2030 to 2050, and I'm thinking, okay, that's going to be like my girls, you know, they'll be in their 20s and 30s, right? Yeah. And I'll be, what, I'm 54, I'll be, what, another, <laughs> whatever, age is yeah. nothing. But, you know, I'm thinking, can I get to that place before, you know, they say that time when the collective they see it as that's the majority of the collective on this earth is going to reach that state between those years. That's going to be like a big transition. Can I work on my vibration, focus on what I like, not focus on any fear and really live in that moment and be get there now? Mm -hmm. Well, there are definitely people who are living that now. And there are people that have come behind before us that were living that now. It's interesting when you talk about the majority, because one of the things I've let go of is, will I see a peaceful world in my lifetime? Maybe not. If I live to my late 80s, I've got another 40 years. So maybe I won't. But am I going to continue to seed and stand for what I'm supposed to stand for in the development of consciousness? as I learn and heal and grow like we all are? Yeah, because that's what I'm here for. So the Z's have said it doesn't take the majority to start a, a, a sea change. They said once you get somewhere between 22 to 28% of people living in a more awake way, and they don't just mean awake to spirituality, they mean awake to everything going on on the planet and going, oh, hang on a second, we need to question this. And why aren't we the people allowed to have a say in this system? And how do we reorganize the system so it's more inclusive and it's less of a separate gap? That's what they're talking about with the worldwide awakening, not just spiritual, but also on a material level. Will we question and be able to have breakthroughs in the society that we're in? So to go back to 2030 to 2050, will you be living in a higher vibration in yourself in that time? Yeah, probably, because you're already consciously focusing on it now. But I think the other piece for all of us to remember is it's more than just us. So you can get yourself into as good a position as you can, but the people that you surround yourself with, what you expose yourself to, who you spend your time with, that's all going to be part and parcel of it too. So if the world as a whole is becoming 
more aware. And even in our lifetime, I think of how emotionally literate and aware we are now as a society versus 25 years ago. 25 years ago, there were a small group of us doing right. it, and now it's becoming part of the everyday speech. So it doesn't mean that the problems have gone away, but it does mean that there's a level of inclusion around awareness that we didn't see 25 years ago. So you think, okay, 25 years from now, where where will we be then? And how radically right. different will it be? So. I love what you're saying. And I also, a piece I would include in what you're saying is the more you keep having as much conscious, aware, love and connection to as many people and things in your life as you can, not only will that continue to deepen that in you and make that more your norm, you'll also be seeding it through and in those relationships and then it ripples out. So that to me is where part of it's going to be where we as a world go. And I think, I think that's why you said a really good point that takes me back. It was about 2020. And there was a question about conspiracy theories inside one of my I have a, I have a members community called the portal. And I do a broadcast every month called live with Lee and the Z's and someone asked about conspiracy theories. And they were like, I don't know what to believe there's a lot flying around. And the Z's were very interesting. They said, there's usually a grain of at least one truth in every conspiracy theory. And in some, there are many truths. They said, but what you have to be mindful of is the emotional energy that the conspiracy theory is wrapped in. They said, because there will be some conspiracy theories out there designed to terrify you. Because the more scared you are of this world or the more doomed you think you are, the more compliant you're going to be and the more disempowered you're going to be. Right. So they made this example. They said, if we were on earth right now and we were a dictator who was trying to take over a country, we would implant several conspiracy theories that terrified the people to such a degree that the people would essentially think they had no hope. Mm -hmm. So they said, there's a bit of that going around on the planet right now. And equally, there are other things that are labeled conspiracy theories so that you don't believe they're true, but actually they're true and they're right in your face every single <laughs> day. So they said that discernment is everything because it's not so much the piece of information you take in as much as it's the way the piece of information is trying to tell you how to feel about it. So for example, the sun came up today is a piece of information. The sun came up today and it made everybody quite depressed because it was too bright and it really hurt everyone's skin. Oh, you see how differently we think about this? Or the right. sun came up today and the streets erupted into joy because everyone was so beautifully lit up by the sun. It's very interesting how you hear those three different things and you interpret them three different right. ways. So the power of influence that's coming at us that we have to choose discernment around and also the, you know, our own personal bias, our own personal wounds, our own personal fears, there will be certain things that will interact with us. So I think discernment about what we're focusing on and how it makes us feel is really important. Because I've seen people, and I've done this myself too, I'm not immune from this, but I definitely in 2020 saw a lot of people running around in fear that didn't make sense. Like if you actually asked them questions about why they were afraid, mm -hmm. they couldn't really get to logic. Right. They were just so scared 
that their fear was dominating everything. And, and I know that's very dangerous for us when we, when we lose, you know, people talk about critical thinking. Yeah. So I've kind of gone a little bit off on a tangent, but no, I love it. it was in response to what you said, because I think what you said is really powerful and really true. Like where we're focusing is very powerful. And what disease was saying is be sure you're focusing on what feels true to you and not what someone else tells you is true, especially if it's putting you into fear or loss or disempowerment. If it's putting you into expansion, empowerment, connection, great, you can trust it, but notice how things make you feel and then question whether or not the information or the way they're trying to make you feel about the information is true. Right. Yes. I love it. That was great. Okay. I'm on over time right now, but I was just picturing you because I know you love music and I was listening to a podcast and I Let's, I want to end it on this. If, if the Z's said to you, Lee, we're going to exit this, you right now, we're going to move on to another, another human and you're going to be without us. Yeah. What would you do? Like, what would be, where would you spend the rest of your 40 years of your life? If you had 40 years left, (laughs) I would do what I'm moving towards actually which is I would create a network for voices, people and things that empower others in all walks of life, not just metaphysics and because cha- channeling is not for everybody. It, it, you know, it, for some people, it's weird. And for some people, it just doesn't connect with them. So I would work on empowerment because empowerment, empowerment helped me live like I was in a very dark place. But because I found tools that helped me empower who I was in the world and how to connect with others. So I wouldn't do it any, I just wouldn't be channeling. And it's funny because they've said to me many times, they said, we will never leave you, but the choice to stop channeling publicly is yours. Hmm. And I've, I feel like I'm going to channel for maybe another five years. Oh, wow. Maybe until I'm about early 50s. And then I don't know. I don't know whether I'm just leaving a body of work and then I'll, I don't know. I'm just saying I don't, I don't know. But I I feel like there's a, there's a five year path with the channeling and then who knows what I'll be doing or where it will go. Oh, interesting. Interesting that you've even put a number on it. That's what's like, you're feeling that. It came to me, yeah, it came to me the other day. And the thing is, you know, channeling is one aspect of what I do. Then there's the intuitive side, which is a few rungs down the ladder. It's me feeling, sensing and speaking like I do in the energy updates or intuitive teaching I do. Then there's music, then there's, you know, there's various things I do. So channeling is just a huge core piece of it. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I was sending someone your empath and narcissistic. um, Oh, yeah that course. I sent that out to a couple of friends today because I thought, huh, and I know that you'd have relationships like that because you are an empath and attract the narcissistic kind of personality. Yeah. And now get to teach people how to it's so that trauma, right? Yeah, Yeah, because I think we know we're so quick to whack a narcissist label on people these days. Oh, they're a narcissist. Right. I know. It's always a lot more complex than that. And we have our own narcissistic tendencies, but there is you know, there is a dynamic that you can find yourself in that's a very disempowering one where you essentially let the other person have power over you, your life, your choices. And it's very interesting to get to the bottom of why we do that. 
Mm-hmm. And you can't normally do that when you're in the relationship or when you've just come out of it and you're still licking your wounds or trying to recover or heal. Yeah, it, it's a dynamic I went through a few times in my life. And then there were clients that would come to me back when I still did one-on-one sessions. It would come up time and time again. It would come up in groups. So eventually I created a, a video course for it. Yeah, I love that. And you know, when you, you said the last time you allowed that into your life was when you bought that $4,000 plane ticket and let us to somebody <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm thinking, gosh, Lee, you're just like the sweetest guy, <laughs> whatever. I, I don't, do. I don't know if it was sweet. I think it was, you know, I, I had managed to save $8,000, you know, cause I was wanting to buy a house deposit and somebody I'd been dating for about mm, three or four weeks oh my gave me a story that, oh, I need this plane ticket. And it was a business class plane ticket as well. Well, it wasn't economy. So I paid the $4,000, the half of my savings to, I just fell for it hook, line and sinker and, um, and, and had to recover a little bit when I suddenly realized, oh my God, this is what he does. This, he's, he's, the story he sold me is not true. And I wonder how many other people have, I mean, the good news is I was able to buy a house eventually. So I managed to build up the savings. But yeah, that was a really good lesson. It was like, wow, you didn't, you just didn't, you didn't take care of yourself. You tried to take care of someone you barely knew in a way that you didn't really need to. And you should have asked more questions. Why can't your parents pay for this? You know? Yeah, that was, I mean, it made me think too of my life. I reflected back on times that I've had experiences like that. That was a good story. Yeah. On our last note, I know you love music. What was the last song or favorite music you listened to? You know, last night I was listening as I drove home. I played Björk's album Volnicura, which came out in 2014 or 2015. And she's someone I loved in the 90s. Her first four or five albums were albums I really was very connected to. And then when she went a bit more experimental, it didn't work for me as much anymore, even though good for her. She came back with this one in 2014, 2015, that went back to melody and emotion. And um, I was feeling something yesterday that I knew a certain that album would work for. I was feeling a certain emotionalism in myself. So I, I put it on to let me expand and feel the emotion. I've always used music in that way, equally to balance or reset me. You know, I, I love Deva Pramal and Matens music. If I want to feel expanded, open, I will put them on. So yeah, music to me is a, is a tool that we get to use. And that's why I love creating it too. And offering those songs and pieces out for people who might resonate with the music I create with Davor Bozik, who's my musical partner. Yeah, I love it. And I was listening to something the other day. I've, I've listened to you. You've been in my ear in every way. Oh. <laughs> every every little aspect of you has been inside my head. But anyway, so we can find, people can find you, buy your books. Oh, I would recommend, you know, I know there's only, there's going to be like what they have. This is just a little tiny. Yeah, yeah. So beginning book, of the many actually, that have it here. This is book two. This one's called Awaken Your Multidimensional Soul. And right now we are working on, we're finishing books three and four, which are about reincarnation and karma, book three. And book four is about death, dying, and the transformational power of grief or the spiritual power of, of grief, death and dying. Oh, wow. So it's it's a big one. And it sounds heavy, but actually it's one of the most uplifting books we've done in huh. a way. So yeah, we're working on a whole series and you can find all of my work at my website, leeharrisenergy.com. 
And then for the music, we have leeharrismusic.com. But you can find the music at leeharrisenergy.com too. Okay. And on your YouTube, he has energy. Yes. I mean, uh, the energy L- updates and his Lee podcast. Lee Harris Energy on YouTube too. Yeah. Yeah. In your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that I love. Anyway, Lee, gosh, what a fun time. And I can't be more grateful for the time that you allowed me to be with you oh, and no, share your magic. You. Well, thank you. What a thank you for holding space for such a lovely conversation, and thank you for what you do. And lovely to meet you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget, always look for the magic.